Dr. Will Tuttle will be discussing some of the main ideas in his best-selling book, The World Peace Diet, which has been called one of the most important books of the 21st century and has been published in 16 languages. It provides the foundation of a more conscious society based on understanding the consequences of animal agriculture. As editor of the book Circles of Compassion, which discusses the interconnectedness of social justice issues, as well of, as Buddhism and veganism. And author of a book on developing intuition, he explores and illuminates the invisible connection between our culture, our food, and the source of our broad range of problems and the way to positive transformation in our individual and collective lives. Anyone wishing to understand the bigger picture of our culture and why we have the unyielding dilemmas we face and how we can solve them will be fascinated by listening to this podcast. So I'm here with Dr. Will Tuttle, author of The World Peace Diet. I am interviewing him on a variety of his work over the last 40 years as a plant-based doctor and advocate for the animals, the planet, and for each other, ultimately. And I would like to just open up by thanking you first for your work. Well, thank you, Tammy. It's uh, an honor to be able to share uh, some insights with you. And thanks, everyone, also for listening. I think my first question to you is... I, right now, there's a massive awakening on the planet. You know, there's always this, as much as things have gotten what feels like out of hand and so tipped on the far side of, of destruction, there's also this massive awakening. You know, as we've lost, I think the n- latest number was at least 50% of our species diversity and a huge part of that from animal agriculture and right. many coming and goings, but I see a huge awakening to plant-based nutrition right now, to veganism and people just starting to get the effect of how they personally feel. I'm working with my my partner as of now, and he is eight weeks as a plant-based, uh, mostly raw food vegan, and he's off almost all his medication. He's wow. lost for weight. And, and the n- nicest thing, though... Will, as he says, his mind is quiet. Gabriel Cousins says, this is eating for a quiet mind. It's eating for peace, as you, you speak about, and how quickly our body is a self-healing organism. So I, I would really love it if you spoke a little bit on what you're seeing in this, what feels like a huge awakening on the planet. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, there's uh, these two, it seems like there's these two forces that are intensifying. And one of the forces uh, is to keep people enslaved. And one of the best ways to do that is to have people eat animal foods. And the other is the force of awakening and healing that seems to be rising up within the consciousness of humanity to question these old, uh, obsolete, narratives that propel us to imprison animals, to impregnate them against their will, steal their babies, steal their uh, milk and their eggs and their lives and their purposes. Because when we do that, we're not only causing violence to them, we're really causing a lot of violence to ourselves, to our bodies, to our minds, to our spirit, to our society. Of course, as you say, to our uh, ecosystems and our environment. And it's not that hard to understand that, you know, it's, it's um, relatively obvious, but the program is so deeply rooted and has so much inertia that people um, are wounded and it's hard for them to, to make those connections. It's really a pretty obvious connection that eating animal foods is not good for our health. It's terrible for the environment and for wildlife and for uh, peace, as you say, both outer peace and inner peace. There's so many 
factors we can look at. But we've been traveling now internationally for about seven or eight years uh, since the World Peace Diet has come out in so many different languages. And like you say, this awakening is definitely gathering momentum very, very rapidly. And we see it when we travel to Eastern Europe, to Western Europe, to uh, Asia. We've been to East Asia as well as India quite a few times. And we're heading off in just a few days on another month-long lecture tour to Southeast Asia and Taiwan and, of course, Australia, New Zealand, South America, Africa. We've been to all these places and... Uh, the, there's a vegan movement almost everywhere. You know, there's vegan restaurants, cooking classes, uh, um, sanctuaries, places where people can uh, get healthier food. And people are talking about growing their own foods and um, supporting local uh, agriculture and getting away from meat, dairy products and eggs. A lot of times it's for their physical health. But increasingly, especially among young people, there's a realization that we're not going to have a planet to live on if we keep eating animal foods. So these are the two forces I, I see both accelerating and uh, whether we uh, – how it will all turn out. I, well, you know, it's really in many ways it's up to us, you know, to the, what degree we can – embody this teaching of healing and health and awakening and share it effectively with other people so that they also understand the devastating impact of animal agriculture and the wonderful health benefits of organic whole food plant-based eating and living and just do the best we can to share this good news with everyone like you're doing so well and uh, I really appreciate you know, all the efforts you're making to help this happen. Thank you, Well, I really appreciate you talking about the teaching of it and how it seems to be the way out of a emotional, physical, spiritual crisis. We do know that all the beautiful, just speaking of food in general for the humans, all the beautiful prebiotics and the nice microbe-rich living soil that we eat from, and hopefully veganic soil. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. We didn't use any animal products at all in, in, the, in the enriching and the bringing back to life of, of topsoil that's maybe been mm-hmm. disintegrated. One of the things that they were using at the Tree of Life when I was there, brought in by a lovely biologist named John Phillips, was effective microorganisms that was supposedly downloaded to a Japanese scientist, uh, last name Hinga, who discovered this beautiful consortium of beneficial, effective microorganisms that he said was downloaded to him as the antidote for our soil crisis from Kuan Yin. Wow. (laughs) And I knew that you'd really resonate with that. And... It's beautiful how quickly I have a very good friend who studied at the Tree of Life who's helping his father turn around one of the largest, I think it's 13,000 acres of farmland in California Wow! from conventional soil to using EM. And the plants are much more much more versatile, much much stronger, greener, beautiful plants just from EM. So I mm. think the microbes, as in Earth Gut, the story of peace, love, and microbes, a book that's going to be in print December 1st that I wrote about my journey through Crohn's and colitis, and it was only when I went plant-based was I able to heal. I think we're seeing that reciprocal effect now that people are looking to the soil and yes. to enriching the earth. Yes. Well, yeah, thanks. I mean, you're, you're really... Um you're really talking about something that's very important and it's something that doesn't get talked about enough i think the microbiome in our own physical bodies the billions or really trillions of microorganisms that live inside of us that if they die we die if they're unhealthy we're unhealthy if they're unhappy we're unhappy (laughs) in many ways and how animal agriculture uh is not in our best interest to have a healthy uh, microbiome and also uh, the the microorganisms in the soil, and it, of course uh, the soil is under such a vicious attack 
by the chemical industries and the and the agribusiness industries and the pharmaceutical industries they're all kind of together and I think the big banks in the background it it all connects and uh, we have really a a serious problem now with glyphosate. Uh, Roundup is a combination of glyphosate and other chemicals, but glyphosate itself is a broad-spectrum antibiotic. I mean, it's basically killing uh, everything. It's killing not only the the microorganisms in the soil, but also within our own um, system, in our own my, our own um, gut, our my, our. Um, our digestive system. So uh, it's really wreaking havoc. And again, the good news is, I think, is that people are waking up and realizing this. We have some countries that are very enlightened, like Russia, where there's a, there's a law that there's absolutely no glyphosate allowed in the entire country of Russia. So I'm so glad that that's a huge, that's the largest country in the world. And I'm so glad that they're not allowed to, to bring that poison in there. But more and more countries, I know Switzerland also, are, are banning uh, glyphosate. And uh, there's uh, a lot of uh, just, you know, litigation to, to um, reduce uh, the impact so, so as, as more people sue for the cancer they also it also causes birth defects and cancer in humans and so uh, you know there's uh, I think on, on many levels of education and hopefully litigation and and more stricter laws this awakening will continue to to um, radiate out into our society but I think it really requires us at the grassroots level as individual people to demand healthier soils and to try to only support people who are growing food organically and like you say veganically without any animal inputs without bone meal and blood meal and manure and fish meal and you know all these all these things that concentrate toxins and to grow veganically or stock free which we do we have a we have a, a food forest here in northern california and uh, it's just wonderful to see the miracle of life feeding on life and to nurture our trees and vegetables and berries and herbs and so forth uh, with totally plant-based inputs and to recycle our own human waste and so forth. These are really things that we people have known about for thousands of years. And so what you're talking about, I think, in many ways is a combination of ancient wisdom coming back again and sort of modern scientific understanding that can be used for terrible things. You know, you can use it to create devastating chemicals and all kinds of things, or we can use that wisdom to grow more food on less land. Uh, more effectively, and I think that's the, uh, the the healthy way to go. And again, I think it's going to really de- require us, the people, to demand that through our purchasing power and through what we're talking about, because the big pharmaceutical industries and other industries, unfortunately, they make a lot of money on sick people and on disease and on war. And we have to you know, ourselves um, be the change we want to see in the world, like Gandhi said, and live our lives in alignment with the values of peace and sustainability and freedom. And I just love what you said about Kuan Yin. Kuan Yin is um, the bodhisattva of compassion in the Buddhist tradition, a manifestation of Avalokiteshvara, bodhisattva. And Avalokiteshvara is the Sanskrit word that means the one who hears the cries of the world. And I think, you know, this Kuan Yin is a feminine uh, deity and represents what I refer to in the World Peace Diet as Sophia. And Sophia is the, is the sacred feminine dimension of wisdom that resides in human consciousness, especially in women who give birth to babies and know the deep uh, power of unconditional love for other beings and the power of caring. And this is the power, really, that I think we're talking about, is Sophia within human beings, the Kuan Yin, or the compassion and empathetic uh, capacity that we all have, uh, is rising up within us to have compassion for animals, 
for children, for other forms of life, for ourselves, future generations, for hungry people. And um, growing food in alignment with compassion and awareness is a, such good news. You know, we can feed everyone on a fraction of the land. We can stop cutting down rainforests and overfishing the oceans and destroying the soil and sucking all the aquifers dry with irrigating massive fields of genetically engineered corn and soy and alfalfa sprayed with glyphosate and other toxic herbicides and pesticides and fungicides and chemical fertilizers. All these things end up in the water and destroying the whole web of life. So we can stop doing that very easily and feed everyone on much less land. There's really nothing stopping us except education. There's understanding and then acting uh, in, uh, you know, in alignment with what we understand. So, uh, I, again, I think the work you're doing, and especially your new book, which uh, shines light on these issues, is really uh, such important um, contribution to our society and to uh, our children because it's really, food is the most intimate connection that we have with nature. And if we don't have that intimate connection uh, established in a proper way, then we'll never have a society that's in harmony with uh, the, you know, our true nature and with the earth. And the conflicts and the disease will just get worse and worse. So this healing of the food system and the agriculture system is really the most important pressing um, calling that we have. It's really beckoning us. It's like a doorway that we can go through together uh, and uh, it'll open up many more doorways into uh, much more aware ways of living. But each one of us as individuals can go through that door ourselves and like you did and heal colitis and heal many other things. And that's the beauty of this. It's something we can do as individuals and then also that we can contribute to, uh, to, you know, to help everyone uh, make this journey. So thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, you said many things which are very dear to my heart. I've had the honor of studying with Dr. Zach Bush for a couple of years. And in his lab, he is testing the effects of glyphosate on that single cell, beautiful protective lining of our, of our intestines. And when it's exposed to glyphosate, it creates leaky gut in 12 to 16 minutes. And so... Right systemic effects of disease and taking away our sacred sovereignty as as conscious and connected people as soon as our guts start to leak with that beautiful vagus nerve connection which to me looks like the roots of a tree down into our gut and then this connection up to our heart and into our brain is this synergistic effect that if if we eat in a way that destroys we lose our we're our sovereignty. We live. We lose our sacred sovereignty, and that Roundup alone. I mean, it's got. A, I think it's over 200 chemicals in Roundup, and no one studied this. The synergistic effects of not just glyphosate, but how it interacts with all the other chemicals that are sprayed on our on our killing fields. So the antidote seems to be in the effective microorganisms and the fulvicomic acid, the research on that, this ancient soil of compost and incredible humic, ancient, uh, gorgeous consortium of, of, of nutrition that heals our gut. It seems to be our antidote. And it's very beautiful what you said about Kuan Yin and how you've been connected to that since you originally wrote The World Peace Diet. So you're, I think you've already spoke quite a bit about this, what your main message of the book is and your work. If you could just elaborate a little bit, some of the key take-homes for me when I read The World Peace Diet is this schizophrenic disconnect that we get as children and that if we had to kill everything we ate as my beloved friend talked about this morning, he wouldn't be able to do it. He says, I love my dog. I hear people say I went vegan because I love my dog and if I can't kill my dog, then why would I kill anything else? So what you're helping people do, I feel deeply in your book is you're helping to make that connection between, hey, these are living beings. And if you had to go kill them yourself in the 
and, and imprison them in a way, you would either become very disconnected from your soul, your heart, your divine purpose here on the planet, or or you would just stop eating animals. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. It's um, helping us to just become more aware. I think that's the key thing. And living in, and actually one of the main ideas in the World Peace Diet also is to understand uh, the cultural uh, history and, and the wounding that we've all gone through by being raised in this society. So I'll, maybe I'll just say a few words about that briefly uh, because I think it's really important to understand that anthropologists emphasize that every society transmits its values from generation to generation through the rituals of that society. And the main ritual in any society are the meals. So when people are eating food, we're not just eating food, we're eating a whole set of attitudes and a whole narrative about our relationship with each other and with the animals, our relationship between men and women, our relationship with, uh, you know, with the cosmos, the divine, however we want to look at it. And so if we're eating foods that come from hideously abused animals, we're eating not only foods that are toxic to our physical body, but we're eating attitudes and stories uh, that are toxic to our well-being at a much deeper level, psychologically, emotionally, and culturally, and in our relationships. And the toxicity of animal agriculture, this is where the real damage is done, because every meal is teaching us at a profound level, number one, to disconnect. And the basic message, and if I'm sitting down and eating the flesh or secretions of an animal, is don't make the connection. We don't want to think about what that what we're actually doing right we don't want to think about the hideous uh, terror and fear and pain and distress and panic that that animal was experiencing as she was being killed or as her babies were being stolen or she, or she was being impregnated on a rape rack being born into captivity uh, and this is this is the this is demonic this is the essence of of a demonic system that it harms others completely unnecessarily and and unfortunately and relishes the um, the violence uh, or covers it up or 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 um, transfers it into violent movies and music and and wars against other people you know we're we're killing billions of animals on a daily basis if we include marine animals uh, and so this is a massive killing machine and everyone who's eating uh, these foods are using these products is directly not only causing that suffering by voting for it with our dollars, but we're also turn. We don't just cause it; then we turn around and we actually eat it. We eat that violence. It goes into uh, every cell of our being, into our brains, into our hearts, physically. And so we're eating the reality of terror and fear and pain and and uh, agony and so forth, and we're feeding that to our vulnerable children. So this is uh, this is the core of the problems we're facing. We will never make any progress in justice, equality, sustainability, freedom, liberation, harmony, abundance if we continue animal agriculture. It's it's physically impossible. It, it's just the we're sowing the seeds of of scarcity and death and misery, and we're not going to reap something else, right? If I'm planting carrot seeds, I'm not going to expect to get celery. It's going to be carrots. <laughs> so we're planting these seeds, and the, one of the main seeds, like I say, is disconnectedness. The subtext of every meal is don't make the connection. Don't make the connection between what's on your plate and what it took to get it onto your plate. We just, as a society, we learn to just stay shallow, to never look deeply, to never listen deeply, to never feel deeply, to never care deeply. Uh, Kuan Yin is, like I said, you know, it's to, to listen deeply, to hear the screams coming from the slaughterhouse and from the dairy in the middle of the night because of what we're doing. We have to be aware. If we, if we numb ourselves, if we, if we put on armor to do violence to other beings so that we don't even feel it, we don't want to know about it. 
then what we're doing is we're dumbing ourselves down. We're desensitizing ourselves. We're desensitizing our children so that we're no longer able to respond to the natural healthy feedback that the universe is providing us. And we're getting heart disease, liver disease, kidney disease. We're having wars and conflict and violence. And uh, we're seeing uh, drugs for depression and anxiety and and chronic uh, insomnia and all these things. These are all manifestations of an underlying uh, disharmony in our relationship with animals. And disconnectedness is the key thing because the capacity to make connections is the definition of intelligence. Intelligence is the capacity to make relevant connections and respond to, to feedback. And yet every meal, and we're, this is three times a day from infancy, we're in, all engaging in rituals that are designed to do one thing, which is to reduce our capacity to make connections, to reduce our intelligence, to reduce our cognitive intelligence, to reduce our emotional intelligence, to reduce our spiritual intelligence, to reduce our cultural intelligence. And so our entire society is dumbed down. We we allow our, our governments to use the billions and trillions of dollars they have not to create beauty and harmony and and food and so forth, but to create weapons of war and security systems that that surveil everyone and, and put everyone in, into a, a state of, of, of conflict and fear. So this is because our intelligence is being reduced. And when you have a population of people whose intelligence has been reduced, who are afraid to look deeply and care deeply, then you have a population of people who are easily controlled by a wealthy elite, who are getting very rich and powerful uh, through the economic and governmental and social and religious institutions in our society. So again, if we are serious about any kind of awakening or healing for ourselves or our society, then we have to get to the core root of everything, which is animal agriculture, the systematic demonic abuse of other living beings completely unnecessarily. There are no nutrients that we need to be healthy that come uh, from animals that we have, that we that require us to imprison and kill animals. All the nutrients we need to be healthy we can get from plants. This is well understood. I'm a living example of it, and there's millions of people like me. I'm healthier at the age of 66 now than <laughs> most people are at the age of 26. So, eating an organic, whole food, plant based way of eating is the foundation of radiant health, physically, psychologically, spiritually, culturally, environmentally. And to just understand that we're eating attitudes that are not in our best interest, like disconnectedness. I'll, I'll just name two, maybe three more. Uh, another one, every meal is teaching us to see beings as commodities. That's the subtext of every meal is that's not a being, it's a thing. It is a thing. So instead of seeing the, a cow and seeing a being, we just look at the cow and we just see a burger. We just see uh, ribs. You know, I mean, can you imagine being looked at with those same eyes by a more powerful species who, who sees us merely as something to eat? They don't see that there's someone here behind our eyes that we have interests that are as important to us as their interests are to them. Like it's the same for cows. Cows, pigs, chickens, turkeys, ducks, geese, fishes, sheep, goats, you know, all these animals have interests that are, are to them as important to them as my interests are to me. And yet I'm raised in a society that sells them by the pound. Like they're just rocks or cement. There's nothing more barbaric and unintelligent and demonic than this behavior. And yet we're raised in a society where it's normalized. That's devastating to these animals, obviously, but it's devastating to us. It, it, it completely destroys uh, much of our intelligence and our uh, natural empathy and our awareness and creates an economic system where we have to sell ourselves, basically, on the market. So as we sow, we reap. And then, of course, another uh, uh, mentality is uh, this, this mentality of might makes right. Whoever's powerful, it, it's fine to, uh, to dominate and exploit those who are weaker. That some beings are inherently superior. 
other beings are inherently inferior. This is the basic teaching when we're eating animal foods. How can we overcome racism or social injustice when every meal is teaching us the opposite of that? And we're eating it and we're feeding every cell in our body with that teaching. It's a, it's a devastating impact. It has a devastating impact on, on our um, social uh, relationships. And then finally, every meal is uh, reinforcing and uh, in many ways um, uh, shutting down our, our um, sacred feminine, what I call Sophia. It's, it's reinforcing this idea that uh, we don't have to care about other beings. And so Sophia, as I mentioned earlier, which is this inherent intelligence and wisdom within all of us, Sophia is the Greek word for wisdom, this feminine and wisdom within all of us that yearns to love and nurture and protect life and our children and our and our neighborhood and our communities and our earth. That basic wisdom, that's the foundation of a healthy society and healthy individuals. Animal agriculture is all about destroying Sophia. You can't have animal agriculture as long as Sophia is in place because Sophia would rise up and say, what are you doing? You know, stop cutting down the rainforest, stop killing all these animals, stop polluting the blood of my children. And so Sophia has to be repressed, and it is repressed. When you force little kids to eat the flesh and secretions of abused animals, that's shutting down their natural Sophia, wisdom of caring. And so again, what we're seeing here on this planet right now is the resurrection of Sophia, the rising up of Sophia wisdom to make these connections to help us to see that all life is interconnected, that our welfare is interconnected, that our welfare is interconnected not just with elephants and zebras and lions and dogs and cats and cows and pigs and chickens and birds and fishes, but also with all the microorganisms. There's a whole symphony of life on this earth that's celebrate, celebrating. And uh, who are we as human beings to come here and just destroy the whole thing. That's really what we're doing. We're destroying the microorganisms. We're destroying the birds, the fish, the amphibians, the reptiles, the mammals. Like you say, the whole web of life is being unraveled by animal agriculture physically and by animal agriculture's mentality of domination and exploitation of life and commodification of everything. Turn everything into something you just buy and sell by the pound. And so what veganism is is simply coming home to our own true nature. It's nothing to be proud of. It's not being better than anybody. It's just coming home and waking up and realizing that we've been completely lied to, we've been wounded, and it's time to heal our bodies and heal our minds and heal our society and heal our relationships with animals and with this earth and with our children and have a little humility and realize we made a mistake and and begin to celebrate our lives with plant-based meals and plant-based ways of living that create abundance, that create harmony. We have plants that yearn to feed us. I mean, these apple trees and, you know, they, they, they give beautiful fruits and uh, plants give, give uh, all the vitamins, minerals, amino acids, essential fatty acids, the fiber, the carbohydrates, everything we need to celebrate our lives here. And this is the great good news at the heart of everything. Our intelligence can come back. Our compassion can come back. Our um, uh, justice can come back. It requires us to give justice to those who are uh, in our hands and to whom we're just you know, destroying. And when we treat them with love and respect, we'll be worthy of love and respect ourselves. And I think that's the great lesson for our generation right now. Whatever happened before us, you know, this, this, this whole herding culture that's gone through the, the last 10,000 years, uh, it's time for us now to have a revolution, really, I think a, more of an evolution, a benevolent evolution to uh, return back home to our true nature and to the foods that we're designed to eat. These basic plant-based foods are what we're designed to eat. And uh, every one of us can question the official narrative of violence and make a difference for ourselves, and we can share these ideas with other people. That's, I think, the greatest gift we can give to the world. Uh, at this time on our earth. So thanks again for the work you're doing. Thank you, Will. I 
really just really want to thank you deeply, even connecting with you more over the last few weeks, energetically enlightens me to want to become a better person, just connecting with the way that you live, the depth of your peace and your benevolence. And, you know, they, they say, I've heard it said that the World Peace Diet is one of the most inspiring, most powerful books in our 21st century. And I, as you said, it's not something to be proud of or to be, you know, boastful about that you become vegan. It's just like you said, it's a, it's a remembrance. It's a, it's a homecoming. And I'm yeah. grateful that you're holding space for people to come home because I think you've affected so many people in such an enlightening way from your history of being a, a Zen monk and teaching people how, you know, with your, with your education and teaching people how to be more conscious. I think it started around 20, when you were around 22, you started questioning the state of the world and and knowing that you had a role to play in, in helping people come home. Yeah, that's true. I, you know, I think um, it was right around that time when I was about uh, in my early, late teens, early 20s, I was in college. I, I had been born and raised in Concord, Massachusetts, where the transcendentalist philosophers, uh, Thoreau and Emerson and Alcott and Channing and Hawthorne, a lot of these people uh, back in the 1800s were really, for the first time, bringing into Western culture a lot of ideas from India and China, uh, from Taoist and Buddhist, uh, Hindu, Jain traditions that are based more on uh, compassion and on meditation and on uh, harmony with nature. And so they created the Transcendentalist Movement. And I remember discovering that when I was in Colby College in Maine back in the early 1970s and started meditating and started uh, doing yoga. It was, you know, something that was kind of unusual that early. But also, I think the Vietnam War and the, the obvious injustice of the U.S. empire um, also affected me profoundly. And so I left home right after college with my brother. We thought we'd go on a spiritual pilgrimage and meditate and walk across the country to California. And uh, we ended up walking south to Alabama. And uh, for a while, I lived, and when we got through, when we were walked through Tennessee, uh, we lived for a while in a community that was called the Farm, and it was the largest hippie commune in the world back in 1975. When we got there, there was about a thousand people living there, and they were all vegetarians. And so, that's one of the most important things I think. Um, to remember is that the only reason, like in my case, the only reason I was eating animal foods all those years that I did uh, was because of my community, right? I, I was born and raised in a society where my mother and my father and my friends and neighbors and relatives and everybody at church and in school and on TV ate meat and dairy products and eggs. And so I did too. We're all products of our society. It's very difficult to question that. But the wonderful thing that happened to me was uh, I started meditating. So I started beginning to question uh, the programming in my mind. And I think meditation is very helpful because it can allow us to separate the programming from our actual true nature. When we get quiet inside, we realize that what we are is not just this continuous flow of thoughts and feelings that are always going through our mind, that what we are is infinite and eternal awareness, consciousness itself that was never born and will never die. We're not just a physical body. We are infinite awareness. That's our true nature. And I, we can't really comprehend this or experience this, I don't think, very easily without training our mind, taking time every day to quiet our mind and connect with the awareness beyond identification with a separate self and all of the uh, thoughts and feelings that pertain to this separate self. So, you know, I was really engaged in that meditation practice very intensively on this pilgrimage. And then when we got to the farm, I was suddenly in a community where it was totally 
vegan, actually. I mean, people didn't say vegan because no one heard of that word back in 1975. So they just, all they could say was we're vegetarian, but nobody ate meat or dairy or eggs. And even uh, leather was, you know, not used in shoes and things. And the idea was uh, to eat lower on the food chain so there'd be enough for everyone to eat and to not cause suffering to animals. So those are the two main reasons that they were doing this. I asked them why. So that that example of an alternative community um, empowered me to go, at that point, vegetarian. I never ate meat again in my life since that day. I remember when I was at the farm and th- this guy explained to me you know, why they were vegetarians. You know, they, they didn't want to cause suffering to animals and to hungry people. And I could see everybody was thriving. And I was eating, of course, breakfast, lunch, and dinner with them. So I had the example of how you make the f- different kinds of foods. But you know, back then it was hippie food. You know, lots of uh, <laughs> stews and soybeans and rice and veggies and things. It was great. I mean, I, I learned how to do that. We had the first soy dairy. We made, you know, the very first um, kind of soy, soy milk, soy ice cream. I remember the first vegan ice cream we ever made probably in the world. We made it. <laughs> so uh, it was uh, it was kind of neat being in on the ground floor of that. But a, a few years later, I learned more about dairy and egg production. So I became a vegan. And then when I was in a, a Zen monk in Korea, I was in a Buddhist monastery there, a Zen Buddhist monastery in South Korea that had been practicing vegan living for 800 years, you know, since the 1200s or something. This, this Buddhist community had been practicing uh, refraining from eating any uh, foods with meat, dairy, or eggs, or wearing wool or silk or leather or fur or killing insects. The whole idea was to practice kindness and practice ahimsa or nonviolence. Because when you're meditating, like we were, we were meditating 12 hours a day, you know, from three o'clock in the morning all the way through till nine o'clock at night. And, um, so it, 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 when we when you we spend a lot of time uh, in reflection, then things become more obvious and we become more sensitive. It's, I mean, potentially. And so I think that's why many of the wisdom traditions in the world have always encouraged people to eat uh, a plant-based diet, you know, to not harm other living beings. And that that's really the foundation for greater spiritual clarity and wisdom, for more cultural harmony uh, on every level. So for me, it was these two communities that were examples of kindness and compassion that enabled me to make the transition myself. And I think the more each one of us can contribute to these kinds of communities, whether uh, it's like writing a book can, can create a community, the community of people who read the book, or creating an actual community like you're talking about uh, with Tree of Life. There was an actual vegan community in Patagonia, Arizona that was started by Gabriel Cousins. Uh, or like uh, online communities, Facebook groups, or uh, vegan restaurants, or sanctuaries, or cooking classes, or there's all kinds of ways. We have to get creative to find ways we can uh, cultivate uh, communities of sanity, of kindness, of caring, of health, and healing, and awakening. And it's happening more and more. We're finding more and more uh, yoga communities, for example, are teaching veganism and um, university classes and so forth. There's all kinds of ways we can uh, contribute to this. And that's what happened to me. It was really this uh, experience of being raised in a society, eating animal foods because of the community, and then realizing that when we create a different example, it's like creating a, a tribe within a tribe, uh, we can join this other tribe, we can join this other way of eating and living, and it then it begins to spread through the entire culture, and the whole culture begins to change. And we see even you know Burger King and McDonald's are introducing vegan versions of their foods, and we're finding New York City, I just read, is banning all processed meat in the entire public school system. And so there's changes that are happening in more fresh fruits and vegetables are being introduced into hospitals and into schools and into nursing homes and and uh, people are learning more there's still a tremendous amount of misinformation uh, being propagated by the industries and and just by um, people who have a stake in in um, 
keeping the system the way it is. But I think uh, it's like an unstoppable tide of human consciousness that is awakening. And uh, it's not brand new. It's really an ancient tradition. And I know like when I when we go to China and I go to these ancient monasteries, they're all vegan. You know, they're all in the entire country of China, for example, is all the Buddhist monasteries are vegan. And um, they understand the reason why. And I think uh, there's um, a deep wisdom in humanity that's been covered over that is now uh, bursting forth again. And this is what we're what we're seeing happening, and, and it's, I'm very optimistic that I think uh, for this lifetime to just do the best we can. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I think if we all do the best we can, we can um, at least plant seeds that will help uh, in this transformation. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful community feels like the answer for many of us, and. I am in the process of helping build a couple off the grid conscious communities uh-huh. still grappling with whether they want to teach like the Essenes that have a long history of plant-based, mostly living food, and whether or not they should omit or allow people to come and have chickens and eggs. and. The one thing that I've really meditated on a lot over the last couple of months is that I I really don't want to be part of a community that's not going to be a full community based on plant-based nutrition because there is that little piece within all of us in all fairness, you know, I, I, I really have a gentle approach to teaching. Uh, right. I have will say if you tell me I can't eat meat I won't come to your food classes I'm like I'm not saying anything just come and experience <laughs> and right. feel, try it out for seven days and for me it's more like an invitation because right. so ca- compassionately put in all of your webinars that you know we were all raised most of us very few people were raised vegan right. most of us were raised in a way that this was this was the norm and not just the norm it became the psychological response so you know smelling turkey you know cooking when we were children and and that meant that the family was going to get together and everybody was going to celebrate there's that olfactory memory it's 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 in our it's in our ancient memory of our of our being so it's unplugging from that and building community and not compromising you know not compromising saying you know when i provide christmas dinner for my children and they come my adult children and they come with their families that it's it's a plant-based vegan meal and we can create community without being judgmental and we can also call people home organically. I, I just right. want we could finish by you speaking a little bit more on your experience because you have much more experience than me going into communities and sharing the message, the experience, strength, and hope, as they say in, in my 12-step group around we we can come home. We can come home in this lifetime. And you can't give away to somebody how different you feel when you start to make that deep inner connection and then that connection with all living beings. Right. Well, thank you. Yeah. You know, um, that's a beautiful question. And I really um, also love what you said about uh, non-judgmentalness of people who are eating animal foods. I think that's so important. And it's very easy especially in the beginning stages when when someone first makes the transition to vegan living very often uh, they they're all enthusiastic and I remember the same thing I was all enthusiastic I, I wanted to tell my family and my friends how how much better it is to live this way and I thought they would just you know change <laughs> it's like I did and then they don't they they resist and they think oh come on you know look I mean it's really easy it's delicious and, and there's a lot of deep resistance like you say because of these ancient memories I've smelled the the turkey and that means my mother loves me and now I don't have the turkey that means my mother 
doesn't love me anymore. <laughs> you know, that's uh, kind of hardwired in some ways. And, and then the, the whole uh, social bonding, or, you know, meals are the main way really that we bond uh, socially. So when, when someone's eating different food, then it's on a very deep level, sort of a tribal level. They're no longer part of our tribe. And so we don't trust them anymore. They're eating different food. So I think it's very important. That's one of the reasons I wrote the World Peace Diet, actually, is to to help us understand the very deepest levels of the programming in our society historically and um, and then spiritually and psychologically and and uh, socially. And when we do, I think then we start to let go of this tendency to blame and shame and criticize and manipulate and just realize that the best approach really uh, in terms of sharing this message is to let go of any uh, underlying motivation to try to change other people. You know, if I know if, if I'm uh, approached by someone and I can just feel that, that, that he's trying to change me, <laughs> I, my natural healthy instinct will be to defend myself, right? To, you know, not let him just come along and change me. We, that's a natural, healthy inclination. So most vegans, uh, unfortunately, we, we, we know we're right. We know they're wrong. You know, that, that whole duality, um, it, it creates defensiveness in people, which is, a, in a sense, a healthy thing to be defensive. Uh, and so it's important, I think, for us when we understand what's going on to be effective in our advocacy. And I think the irony is that if I go around trying to change people, pretty much nobody's going to change. Very few. Maybe they'll change grudgingly. If we're really close to them, we keep hammering them out with it. But then very often, a few years later, you know, then they change back again. <laughs> so the, the whole idea is, the irony is that if we try to change people, they don't change. If we don't try to change them, then they change. <laughs> and what I mean by that is not to give up. You know, I, I, that's why I, you know, I keep saying we, it's important for us to share these understandings that we're talking about, but to do it in a way that we're just basically planting seeds. You know, that's, I think, the metaphor that I really uh, think is the most effective. We're planting seeds without any attachment to them. So just, and, and the best way I think to plant the seeds is to simply tell our own story or our own experience without telling someone else what they should do. And so I think the basic, um, the basic formula, in a sense, of just sharing how wonderful it is, because it's it's a very positive message, and I think it's important for us as vegans to be positive. That, that we're, what we're doing is life affirming. It's life living on life, because animal agriculture is life living on death. It's it's really death living on death. It's creating more and more death in in a death culture. So we're creating a, a culture based on life. And so it's positive and joyful. And so the basic message, I think, should be something like this. I'm so glad and happy and grateful that I discovered that the only reason I was eating animal foods all those years was because I was just following orders. And I realize now that those orders were not in my best interest, so I'm not doing it anymore. And it's fantastic. And that's it. And then let go. Don't say anything more. But just because that fundamental uh, truth. The, the only reason I was eating animal foods was because I was just following orders. That's everybody's truth. So when we when we speak our own truth on some level, unconsciously or consciously, the other person will resonate with that because it's their truth. It's like what Gandhi referred to. He said, you know, positive social change can only happen with positive personal change. And positive personal change happens when we speak our truth. He called it satya graha. Satya means truth. Graha means power. So the, the truth power that we all have is that we can speak our own truth and then let go and just say, gosh, I'm so glad I discovered the only reason I was eating animal foods was because I was just following orders. I'm not doing it anymore. And it's great. You know, and, I, and that 
speaking our truth, it, it will plant a seed deep inside someone else's consciousness because it is their truth also. But we're not blaming them. We're not changing them. We're not trying to manipulate them in any way. We're just with love and respect, just sharing our truth. And then the beautiful thing that happens is that that person's own awareness and their love and their caring and their yearning to be free, that will, those qualities in them will begin to water that seed that you have planted and that little seed will begin to grow and prosper and the person will forget the conversation but they'll go vegan probably because just because they realize that they're just following orders and it's harmful to animals it's harmful to their health it's harmful to ecosystems nobody wants to live their life just as a robot just following orders that are destroying everything and that's that's the what a wasted life that is and then teaching other people to do the same thing i mean that's a a life that's a tragedy in many ways to just come here ruin everything and then leave and teach everybody else to ruin things i mean we we want to come here and and heal and grow and be part of the solution to the problems that's that's what we earn all of us at a deep level so when we when we plant the seed with love and respect we're opening the doorway for someone and their own natural curiosity and health uh, you know, healthy awareness will make them want to walk out of that door. You know, we can we can't pull someone out of the prison, but we can show them that the door is open. You know, and and say, "Gosh, it's I'm, you know, I was in that prison too, and I got out, and man, it's great out here." You know, I can't describe how great it is. You have to actually come out yourself. That's one of the things we can't really do. We can't tell people in many ways how liberating it is to be vegan it's it's enormously liberating uh the, the the weight that comes off our shoulders the inner peace that we begin to feel the joy every morning to wake up and and be and see the beauty and nature around us and to realize that what i'm doing is making a positive difference in the world and, and I'm doing the best I can to uh, be part of the healing of our world and that's a precious human life and our precious human life is very short we don't know how long it's going to last but even if it lasts long like a hundred years that's still not very long and uh, it goes by very quickly even the oldest people in the world they ask them about you know what it's like to be you know 115 120 years old they always say the same thing it sure went by awfully fast <laughs> so it's a very brief life so to come here to plant seeds of wisdom and love and caring as effectively as we can and the most effective way is to live it it doesn't matter you know the word it's not about the words we're saying we don't it's not about saying the words in a formula it's about our body and our mind and our spirit all being aligned so that when we're speaking uh, there's this congruence there's this feeling in other people spontaneously wow this is really true this person's really living this they can feel it this is something that just comes i think um through authentically doing the best we can every day to embody kindness and compassion and respect in our relationships with all animals including the human animals uh, our friends and neighbors and relatives to have compassion for them and and uh, patience and a sense of uh, respect for everyone um, when someone is wounded which anyone who's eating animal foods is wounded you know, they're eating foods that are toxic uh, they're they're being uh, you know they're under the influence of a very toxic uh, indoctrination that's not their fault from the time they were little kids they were getting meat dairy and eggs shoved down their throats by loving people who were similarly indoctrinated so if, if someone is wounded you don't go around and, and, and yell at them and criticize them and kick them a few times you know it's, that's the worst thing to do that if someone's wounded you we then we want to be loving and and kind and uh, and give them you know something that they can really help them and i think speaking our own truth in a loving respectful way and um and doing the best we can to share with them uh, is the most important thing and to uh, not only try to share this message with people who are close to us 
but to really share it with everyone. Sometimes uh, the hardest people to share this message with are people who are closest to us. And it's easy to get discouraged if though if we only try to bring the message to people who are close to us and they really don't want to hear it. So I think it's really important to broaden uh, our message so that we're reaching out to everyone because a lot of people are really open to this message and we can plant seeds very effectively as we're doing the best we can to embody the vegan message, which is love. That's it. I mean, vegan message is love. It's love and respect and radical inclusion, including all beings within the sphere of our kindness and concern. And it interconnects with everything. It interconnects with art, with music, with film, with relationships, with nature, with agriculture, with religion, with economics, with government. With There's nothing that it's not intimately interconnected with in every aspect of our lives. So uh, as we are on this journey, this vegan journey, it's a big mistake to think, okay, I'm vegan, now I'm done. You know, that we should never think that. When we're, when we're vegan, we're just starting. It's like starting a new chapter, and we can always be more skillful, more aware, more um, understanding, more loving. Always we can grow, more awakened. Uh, there's no such thing, I don't think, as ever uh, completing this journey but but we are uh, like I, I said earlier we are in a sense back home again we're, we're back at the place where we can really make uh, progress because we're no longer consciously uh, harming other beings we're doing the best we can to minimize that and that's something to be grateful for so I think cultivating this sense of gratitude every morning a sense of, um, of joy and a sense of just doing the best we can each day to share the message and being open to creativity, being open to our intuition, our inner wisdom to guide us because each one of us has unique capacities that we can bring to this movement. And I think the more each one of us connects with our unique capacities, the more we encourage others to connect with their unique capacities. <laughs> and we see people making vegan you know, movies and music and classes and books and all these different things. And so just whatever you feel is your contribution um, to bring to bring that. And it's no way to say that anybody's contribution is any better than anyone else's. It's all essential. And that's, and I think if we do that, then we're living a life that is well-lived. And you can't ask for a more successful life, uh, I don't think, than that. So uh, thank you so much for, uh, again, for creating the, um, the opportunity for us to talk about these ideas. It's, I've really enjoyed it. And I want to thank everyone uh, for listening and uh, being open to these ideas. Thank you so much, Will, and, and thank you, Madeline, for the beautiful contribution you make as, as very, very evolved, benevolent souls. And seeing you two together is the antidote to the domestication of, of the feminine, the way mm. the reverence and the love between the two of you is, is just, uh, the two of you are very, very inspiring. I was watching a video of you playing the piano and Madeline playing the flute with all of her beautiful art, you know, showing this beautiful, our friends, the animal friends in the world in such high reverence, you know, such high spirit that their beautiful soul shines through in her art. And together you two create this symbiotic, you know, piece that is a living example of what relationship into the sacred divine, the sacred feminine divine brings. And I thank you so much for the endorsement of Earth Gut, the story of Peace, Love and Microbes that will be in print December of this year, a combination of my story through Crohn's and Clitus and eradicating the idea of one diet after another to make us whatever we think we need to make and just going right to the heart of the matter. And and it's, it's really about Peace, Love and Microbes, which you live so well, such a living example, as you say, such a non-judgmental living example that I hear in your voice. I never feel anything but welcomed and loved when I hear your voice. And um, I would love to end this with a speaking of, of a prose that was given to me on the top of a mountain when I seen this beautiful 
Native woman holding the earth with a little bit of a struggling tree on there and raven, raven medicine in her hair. And I was told to get this message out as a message of hope for the world that we would come to a time of the Jubilee, possibly in our lifetime well, which is really inspiring for me. And in the year of the Jubilee and the Torah, all slaves were wiped clean. People were given back their land and slaves were set free. And right. We're coming to a time of the Jubilee, so I would like to end with with this piece of prose that was given to me in meditation very shortly after I went vegan. There is a time, not too far away, when we no longer fight wars that don't belong to us, when love will feel more familiar than pain, and when our hearts will be healed enough that we no longer project our wounds onto another. There is a time, not too far away, when we see blessings everywhere, in the water, our food, in a stranger's eyes, when I know our children will hear more kind words that day than any other, and when we all know we have the power to heal, and we honor the power of love instead of the love of power. Mm. Thank you so much, Will, for your time and your love. Oh, thank you. That was a beautiful uh, way to end. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I look forward to uh, seeing your book when it is released. It sounds like a tremendous, I mean, I've already seen the um, the PDF, but I think it's so great that you've made this contribution. So I just want to encourage everyone to be sure to get a copy of your new book and also if anyone's interested in seeing where we are as we travel and, and new articles I'm writing and all that you can anyone can go to worldpeacediet.com and, and, and see us there and um, Tammy I just wish you the best uh, with the um, release of the book one of the things I discovered is that's when the, uh, the, the, the work really begins in a sense and it's a chance for the this new creation to get out and touch people's lives and help the, uh, with the healing and awakening process on our earth. So I really wish you all the best with uh, reaching people with your new creation. I think it's fantastic. Well, and thank you again for your work.